1: Well, it's been over 10 years, believe it or not, since the All Whites last played the Aussie Socceroos, 2011 at the Adelaide Oval, what a beautiful ground that is, where Australia won that match 3-0, but since then our pars and men's football have largely split split with our neighbours, across the ditch aside from the A-League competition, they moved to the Asian Confederation, while New Zealand, we stayed in Oceania, but yesterday we got the amazing news that the All Whites and Socceroos would play a two match series later this year, including an epic at Eden Park on September 25. That's just the day after the All Blacks take on the Wallabies at the same venue. What a double header that is. So joining us here on SNZ Mornings to talk about it is a member of that 2011 All White squad, a legend of New Zealand football, long and distinguished career, 76 games from Christchurch United beginning at the age of 17. 181 for the Phoenix, 31 as an All White as well. Good morning to a very good friend of the show, Ben Sigmund. How are you, Ben?
0: Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: Hey, no, no problem at all, Ben. Uh, listen, uh, you've been an advocate of this match up for a long, long time. You must be quite pleased to see Australia v New Zealand in New Zealand and Australia.
0: Yeah, like, we've we've been trying to do it for years, and we we just felt that it was such a big thing and a big rivalry, New Zealand and Australia, and rugby do it well, the league do it well, netball do it well, and football we're trying we're trying to do it, but never got it over the line. So it's great news, really excited by it.
1: Okay, so um, even though um, they're basically just friendlies at this stage, um, uh, what about the prospect of it being an ongoing thing? Is it just too damned hard being to find a window to get uh, anything like full strength sides together?
0: I think the biggest challenge was from the Australian side. New Zealand always wanted to do it, but Australia, because they're in Asia, always wanted to play in the Asian competition and with the against the Asian teams. So I think to get it over. I think the biggest drawstring now is that Australia are brought into it, and if they want to carry on doing it, then I know New Zealand will love to. So I think it's it's really Australia that drive it, and as I said, the biggest thing for us was that rivalry in sport for New Zealand and Australia is massive and you can create a a trophy for it and everyone will love it, you know. It's like the league, they they create trophies um, and it it becomes a bigger thing and everyone buys into it and before you know it, you've got people wanting and looking forward to it every year.
1: Yeah, you're right there, and because every time New Zealand plays Australia or anything basically, people do buy into it. So to be starved of it for 10 years, uh, I would imagine would create a great deal of interest.
0: Well, it, well, I remember playing them. We played them. I think it was in Melbourne, from memory, and it was just like we just hated each other. And it was there was tackles flying in. There was no one wanted to lose. You got up for it, and it, ours was a friendly as well. And I, you know, and I, I just remember just there was guys going off with you know injuries. <laughs> because it was just meant so much to you and no one wanted to lose to them and they didn't want to lose to us and so it creates the hype straight away and as soon as fans start seeing that, that's when everyone's into it because you see the players are into it so then the fans get into it.
1: What about the lure of just beating Australia from a football point of view? We know what it's like in in cricket, rugby, netball as you've talked about a lot of other sports but uh, the lure, because it's such a rare encounter, the lure, the, the excitement about beating Australia at football.
0: Yeah, and, and it, it's hard for us as well because, you know, little old New Zealand, it's growing a hell of a lot. Since, you know, even since 2010, from the World Cup days, the, you know, the football's growing massively. There's a lot more players from New Zealand overseas playing professionally. You know, you've got the players in the A-League. You know, so we've got, we've got good players now to create a good New Zealand team and it'll, it'll be competitive against Australia. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's what both teams want. They want a competitive game and um, everyone to come out and enjoy it, to be
1: honest. Yeah, Bonanza, wouldn't it? All Blacks, Wallabies, uh, All Whites and uh, Socceroos. What, what a weekend.
0: Well, why not? Like, it's, it is, it is a great weekend and, and football, you know, is, is growing massively. They've got more and more people wanting to go and watch them, you know, so we love watching the All Blacks, everyone knows that, but to have tail on a game of football at the end, you know, double header, I'm sure most people want
1: to go watch a game of rugby and football. I would imagine they would, mate. And taking it to uh, the biggest stadium in the country, I think, uh, just opens up a, a few more doors for a lot of people. So uh, let's uh, look at this uh, Socceroos side. As, it speaks, as we speak about them now, they won 2-1 this morning over the UAE, which means they're on the same boat as us. they got a one-off game uh, to qualify for the World Cup. Theirs is against Peru. Uh, what have you made of the Socceroos uh, of late? Yeah, the... <laughs> It's been interesting
0: because it, it's sort of taken quite a while for them to, kind of, to get to the World Cup and they've been there on a number of occasions and they'll want to get back. They've got a lot of players coming through the A-League now, obviously, but you know, a lot, still a lot of their players are based in Europe and playing in, in top leagues, so they've got a massive chance. Um, you know, the, it's, the, the problem is, well, is one-off games, you just never know what's going to happen and I think New Zealand's got the same opportunity. It's one game. Uh, it's it's in, a, in a sort of neutral venue So it should go either way <laughs> Two good teams
1: We saw Peru the other day um, Against uh, the All-Whites uh, Knocking the All-Whites over uh, 1-0 Pretty close encounter there So uh, the All-Whites in Costa Rica uh, Next Wednesday morning Our time uh, Biggest game of football since the one you played in uh, Way back against Bahrain, mate
0: Yeah, yeah And yeah. That was certainly the highlight of my career and, you know, you will never forget that game so I'm sure these players will know exactly the same feeling. They've still got Chris Wood from those days. Um, Winston Reid didn't play the playoff but he's been there for a long time now so there's there's players still in that camp that have have been, you know, through that whole cycle and to actually qualify for me was, was probably bigger than actually being at the World Cup. It was just the biggest buzz ever so... You know, they'll want to definitely get there again it's, it's, it'll be a massive achievement for everyone
1: How do you rate their chances uh, against Costa Rica? What, what do you make of this current Danny Hayes side?
0: Technically they'd be I was saying to someone the other day technically this all-white team will be much uh, more technical than our, our team in 2000 and, uh, 2010 we, the only thing you'd probably go is have they got the ticker, have they got that kind of drive, you know, when it gets tough, can they dig deep, you know, when they don't want to get back, you know, just trying to fend or, you know, like those little things, you know, mentally we were tough. We had, you know, Ryan Nelson was a great leader, you know, Winston Reid, Chris Wood are going to have to lead that team really, really well. And, um, you know, I, I think that they, you know, they've got every chance. I, the one-off games are so different in football because you can get a goal and you, know, you can hold on. Sometimes, mm. you know, so you just never know. You never know if they start well, get an early goal, it'll put a lot of pressure on them, and they. The, the, the trouble is with you know Peru, Costa Rica, all those South American teams. When they get their tails up, they're very very good and they're hard to beat. But when you get on top of them. They also crumble as well, so I think the first twenty minutes will be the one where they 've got to get on top and make you know stamp their mark.
1: What about defensively as you look at the, the the kind of squad or the kind of lineup Danny Hay might come up with there i mean there is there is some experience there in Winston Reid, the likes of Tommy Smith been around for quite some time uh, I, I just wonder about that and, and the the custodian the goalkeeper. What do you see as the mix for for this one off game
0: well Winston Reeds looking as though he's fit which is good because he hasn't he hasn't actually had a club that, that he's been with for a while so he's pretty much had to get fit on his own and I'm sure he's done a good job so it looks as though he is fit and I think that was probably one of the biggest concerns if if they didn't have him I think they would have been a little bit light at the back so it's great to see him in there um, I see Ollie Sale played in goal Mm. He's been outstanding for the Phoenix, and he's been, you know, I'd say they'll pick him again. And you know, they said he made a little mistake, you know, for the goal just just this week. But you know, I, I'm sure in the bigger games, and he's you know, you'll make a little mistake. But I, I just, I just think he'll learn from that mistake. So I, I, I think he'll be fine at the back. Um, Chris Wood will be having to lead really well up front because he's been around a long time, and they said he's got a few little niggles at the moment, but he'll have to dust that off and, and he'll have to just lead from the front, which will be massive for him because, um, you know, it's probably his last opportunity to go to another World Cup and he'll have that in the back of his mind as well.
1: Costa Rica's style of football, what do we know about that, Ben?
0: Well, they're very technical. Very, very technical. So they'll, they'll have they'll have big possessions of, of the game and, and I think Danny Hale know that they'll probably have to work at a system where they might not have the ball for long periods of time, and they'll have to soak up a lot of pressure. Uh, so, you know, the, the, there's just no question that that they will probably have, I would say, at least 60 to 65% of the game in terms of having the ball. So, you know, we'll have to be very defensively set up, but then also we'll have to break and and get on get them on the counter a lot too. So. Um, you know how Danny Hay sets that up. I don't know, but you know, Costa Rica, Peru, all those, as I said, those South American teams, technically very good. So, you know, there's no questions that there'll be. It's going to be a tough game.
1: As a footballer, I mean, you you mentioned before uh, qualifying against Bahrain was probably as good as going to the tournament itself, but. Is that, this the ultimate for a footballer? Is, is that because it, it, it's a one-in-four opportunity, one every four years opportunity, there's all sorts of build-up towards going to it. Is is this the ultimate in football to go to a World Cup or or a successful um, and profitable club career? Is that perhaps more rewarding?
0: It's a really, a really good question. Really good question. So as an all-white, it is definitely the biggest financial thing that they'll probably ever get, because you only get a daily wage as when you when you join the All Whites. So back in back in my day, I say um, we were like I think we were getting about seventy or eighty dollars a day. There was no win bonuses. Sure. There was no there was no um, you know like even just a um, being in the team bonus. It was just eighty dollars a day, and that was it. So so the World Cup is financially a big burden for all these players, you know. So they'll absolutely want to go, um, one, to obviously play at the World Cup, but two, I would say there's quite an even bigger financial reward now than it was back in, you know, 2010. So, so you know, there'll be deposits on a house, being able to buy a house, whatever that might look like for some of these young guys. So it it, it is big. Um, But your bread and butter is 100% your club. You know, the, the club is your daily... Your your wages that's that's kind of what you get. You get back from an All White right tour for ten ten days or two weeks or whatever. You I think I was
1: only getting six or seven hundred bucks. <laughs> amazing, absolutely so that's, that's, amazing. So that, when
0: that, you that, put it, that's the
1: difference. Yeah, that uh, I mean that's quite staggering, quite revealing actually. I never would have put it at that that low kind of a mark. Uh, look, my, hey Ben. 181 games to the Phoenix, you, you put your heart and soul and a lot of blood on the pitch for them. So I'd imagine you still follow them very closely. What did you make of their season this year with the, the things that went against them?
0: Yeah, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, I love watching them. It's, you know, uh, I, I think um, Tale has done an exceptionally great job and I've really enjoyed watching him develop that team and the squad. It's always hard because he leaves, he loses, Always a good chunk of his players every year just through, um, you know, whatever it might be, go players leaving to bigger things or whether they're going back into the Australia, for you know, to go back to their hometowns for the Australian players. I think he's done a good job and I really enjoy watching them. I think they were just shy of probably, a, you know, another couple of players to, to push through the playoffs. You know, I think they just deserved. There was a couple of times they got really heavily beaten, which probably dampened their season a bit and then obviously you know when they got to the playoffs um it could go either way but they're probably a couple of players short of being able to push through to the you know to do really well in the playoffs so um no no that um I, I really enjoy watching tele and i hope he can stay around a bit longer
1: so if he can get a or hold some of those players if he can get a squad together how close do you reckon they are from from cracking it right to you know towards the really the business end of the season
0: yeah it's, I was trying you you try and look at the other, the teams that have won it, and they probably just need to be a little bit deeper in terms of you know when you're bringing on your your substitutions that they're experienced a league players you know they've played at least fifty games they've been another other yeah, they've been another a league team so they know what it's like to win you look at sometimes when they've got injuries or sicknesses and then you look at the young players they're trying to bring on and it's not their fault but you can't. You, you're not going to win the A League, or you're not going to um, do well in the playoffs if you're bringing on you know 18, 19 year old players um, from from your subs. And that's 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 not their fault. But if you've got a squad that you can go quite deep in terms of your you know four or five that are on the bench, and then you've got a fan, you know a really good starting lineup, that's when I think you're going to start looking to crack on into the finals and start sort of going a little bit further than what they are at the moment. But 100% agree with developing the young players. It's just you probably just need a little bit more depth just to be able to have those experienced players that have played in the A-League a bit more.
1: Pathway for young footballers now, uh, even looking back to your time, has increased um, drastically, hasn't it? When you look at uh, the number of players, the number of leagues uh, our young guys are uh, going to uh, outside the American college system, etc. Uh, they're everywhere. Uh, the net has has spread very wide.
0: Yeah, great. Another great call. Like we grew up, and you know, you sort of said that I played for Christchurch United. That was what it was for me. You know, you played for your local club. You know, you you learnt from a few senior English players that came out to sort of finish their careers, which I learned a lot from and which I miss actually in New Zealand is having a few senior English pros that, you know, you know teach you the ropes. But now there's academies. The Phoenix have got a good development around the academy and the systems and the structures. You know, there's a number of academies um, around the country. And, and, and there just seems to be a lot more opportunity for players to get overseas and play in some of the, the leagues around Europe. And, um, you know, they just, there just seems to be a lot more um, opportunity around the country but also to get overseas a lot faster america was always a big thing in my my era because it was kind of the only thing it was like you're good you're a good player if you've got half a brain you can go to university and at least carry on with your studies and try and crack it as a you know as a as a professional after you've been to the university system so it's very much there's the the american thing still available but there's there's a hell of a lot more opportunity to go professional now um, all around the world for these young guys, which is it's just great for them.
1: Ben, on a, a personal note, uh, you've got a role now with uh, Wellington Rugby. Tell us a wee bit about that.
0: Yeah, so I always wanted to give, as a player, I always was, you were probably always searching for someone to be a bit of a role model off the field. So I'm a professional development officer for Wellington Rugby, and I look after the uh, Wellington Lions for the Bunnings Cup and the Boys and Girls Academy that are coming through and we just help educate them and and help them sort of think about our life outside of rugby really and that's probably something that I was very passionate about because it's hard as a professional player to know what you're going to do when you finish and what you're going to do when your career ends and you know that's what I do for these players um, you know outside of rugby and you know for me it's just about talking about yes your rugby career is going to be X amount of years, or it might not even work out, but, you know, what's plan B, and and are you educating yourself to be set up for for life after, you know, your sport, pretty much. It's uh, something I'm really passionate about.
1: Ben Segman, been absolutely fantastic catching up with you. Uh, Interesting role that you've got there, and, uh, uh, of course, a lot of uh, interesting football coming up for the All Whites in the very near future. Uh, Thanks for your memories, uh, and thanks for your input this morning. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Ben.
0: Thanks, Eds.